I'm Sin. And I'm Cassandra. And this is Things That Go Bump, a podcast about the things that scare us. Today, first episode, we are going to be talking about vampires and how gay they yeah. are. <laughs> and how like weird they are weird right? like, gay uh, queer whatever term. <laughs> yeah 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 so i guess to kick things off just gonna front load it with like vampires are insofar as uh kind of your standard horror movie monster tropes are concerned like they, they yeah. are extremely versatile right like we oh um, yeah we got all types yeah and Part of that is, you know, because vampires have appeared in, like, basically... Or something that, like, looks like vampires, has some of the signifiers that vampires do, etc., has existed in, like, basically every culture that exists and has mythology, which is all of them, right? Yeah, people are going to come up with monsters that don't exist. That's yeah. human nature, I yeah, guess. Yeah, definitely. And, like, you know, not even just kind of monsters but also like gods and demons and stuff like that have had yeah, yeah. vampiric qualities and, and stuff like going back to like babylon there were the the seven spirits which you know were blood-sucking demons and like lilith in hebrew mythology and stuff like that oh. also yeah you know i'm such a slut for lilith yeah. i love her <laughs> I think my like, true hero <laughs> Like all kind of, we'll definitely do an episode on Lilith. One thousand percent, yeah, like hundred <laughs> percent. But that's like future talk, because like, you know, things like that, Lilith, etc. The the demonic sorts of vampires, the even like you yeah. know the chupacabra things like that. That's not really what we're talking about when we say vampires, right? right? Because most what we consider like literary vampires come out of Eastern European and Slavic folklore, and it's worth making that distinction like on tape right between yeah. uh literary or like fictional vampires and lore folkloric or mythical vampires yeah. because they're they're very different in a lot of ways yeah something was happening in eastern europe they were just like really scared of blood-sucking human-looking undead things yeah like, yeah i don't and... know what was going on in that, in that time <laughs> for hundreds of years in eastern europe yep <laughs> i don't know there's a lot of like, or has been a lot of kind of scholarly debate about where the myth of the vampire originates, you know? Like if we believe people like Carl Jung, you know, and... and do we uh, though? Do we though? Like, do I don't we? know. Yeah. <laughs> do like, we believe people like Carl Jung? Do we believe Jung? Nah, I mean, <laughs> he's a like cool guy. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, help, helped a lot of... Of Jews out during the Holocaust, for one thing. <laughs> Which is, you know, yes, yeah. commendable. <laughs> yeah. Um, what a good guy, not a Nazi. That's our yeah. bar now. <laughs> yeah, but people who believe what Jung said about, like, the collective unconscious and, and whatnot might say that, like, you know, we have a innate fear of predation and being preyed upon. Yeah. And that's sort of like a, a collective memory, right? Yeah. From when far back when when we weren't didn't conquer the world and stuff like right. that and displace yeah, everything actually else the, uh the only instincts fears like fear-based instincts that humans are born with that is not instilled in us later is falling and loud sounds those are the yeah. only two that we're actually born with and both of those things can relate to like predation like loud sounds more so than falling but like loud sounds a lion roaring something like that um, yeah. A lightning bolt striking and then falling obviously also leads to death. But like yeah, they're yeah. the things that we're like innately born with are death related because of course they are. <laughs> yeah. 
of course. But also there have been like people who thought it was kind of like a way of retroactively explaining certain diseases or, or conditions oh, yeah, that yeah. existed. Yeah. Poor albino that... people in like any time in history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, the origins of, of where kind of vampires in, you know, specifically Slavic folklore, uh, Eastern European folklore, etc., came about is, is like murky right uh there's lots of demons like i said in in right. christian mythology and hebrew mythology and stuff like that that um that do also as i said have vampiric traits to them but like you know when we're talking about like capital v vampires it's a, a lot of like the fear of the dead right right or the dark nighttime yeah though that kind of even comes a little bit later Another thing that, that I find really interesting about, about vampires in, and, you know, we'll, we'll probably dig, dig more into this later, but I, I, I think it's interesting, is how metatextually aware vampire fiction and literature is, you know? Like, you see in, like, even, you know, stuff being made now, like, a bunch of White Wolf stuff, you know, fuck White Wolf, but, but they, they've made a lot of books and, you know, games and stuff like that that are vampire fiction but also recognize that vampire fiction exists outside of it and like sort of make fun of that you know like oh that's not how vampires actually work <laughs> yeah yeah as we get to like the more modern anything gets not just vampires but any trope gets the more people are trying to subvert existing tropes yeah yeah and incorporate them right yeah which is like you know interesting that we don't see that so so much i don't think in like zombie fiction even though everyone's like wait why why don't these people know what a zombie is when they first encounter one or, or you know, that yeah, sort of stuff. you're right. That yeah. is always the case. You're yeah. right. I never <laughs> thought about that. <laughs> Every other creature, it's like, well, that's obviously a werewolf. Look at them. But yeah. with zombie movies, they're always like, what is this thing? I can't, you're yeah. right. Yeah, even though like, like it's the most obvious one in some ways. You right. Know? <laughs> it's like a person with no arm with blood spurting out. It's a dead person. Circling back around to like vampires and and there there is obviously a connection between like all undead creatures and and vampires yeah. like broadly vampires are kind of of the subclass of of a creature that we might call revenants right like things that have come again which includes you know a whole host of mythological creatures uh, from a bunch of different cultures historically uh, like you know mytho historically vampires I like, that like word. yeah it's it's a good one it's a good word <laughs> Vampires, like, just kind of were dead people that messed up stuff, you know? Like, someone died, usually under kind of less than great circumstances, like, they were murdered, or they killed themselves, or they were, you know, buried improperly, or they were, like, born with some Or they had a shitty attitude one time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, or they had a shitty attitude one yeah. time. So people were like, oh, they're probably... Yeah. The, like we there's a disease now right after that person died so i guess yeah. that there's a vampire that person was a vampire and if we kill the vampire we'll get rid of the disease it is refreshing though to have something be blamed other than the jews definitely it seems <laughs> like that's always we're always the group that is blamed for the yeah. plague for everything it's all us yeah <laughs> or like witches you know kind of yeah. broadly well, and like i have a whole yeah. other thing to talk about with like witch tropes and anti-semitism that's a whole other episode yes the big nose the like yeah. blood sucking or like 1, eating children thing yeah that's a whole episode like which is baba yaga is basically an anti-semite parable right sure is yeah there's intersections there and like you know more broadly i meant though like generalizing that to all women right right um <laughs> yeah that, that's another thing 
vampires were kind of again mythohistorically a a portent for bad things happening um and then you know got into some blood sucking so the as you do yeah as you do the folkloric vampire usually attacked like not by the neck but into the chest they just like dig into your heart and and slurp up some some good whatever you you juice i don't (laughs) Um, like the word slurp that's a bad word Mm -mm. i don't like it nope (laughs) whether or not that was like meant to sustain themselves what kind of you know differs from culture to culture um whether or not they needed to do that in in some like you know quote-unquote accounts of of vampire attacks and whatnot there was like little distinction between a vampire and a ghost like i've seen some Mm. translations where they just straight up called them ghosts and again getting into that thing where like there's blurry lines between different right. kinds of revenants, right? So, like, right. just you—you you used to be alive, and now you're a bad thing. Yeah, now you're a bad thing, and you are, you know, causing trouble where you shouldn't. Yeah. Um. Oh, just like a woman. Yeah, causing honestly. trouble where she shouldn't. <laughs> and the the vampire was used again, sort of as a means to cast blame onto right when when things yeah 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 we as a species just love assigning a group the blame yes our favorite thing to do another thing about it being so like sort of vague right is that you can assign that blame regardless of like group association right like You, that person had a weird birthmark. They're they're probably a vampire. Yeah, right. you know? yeah the witch trials were just like, mm, yeah. I don't like you, so you're a witch. Yeah, exactly. It, similar mechanics were at play yeah. here, except like it wasn't as, there wasn't as much massive hysteria around right. it. Um, right. People weren't like being murdered. Yeah. Because, because they thought that they, they were vampires because they would already be dead. Yeah, yeah. Like that. that's most of it. Yeah. Insofar as like how vampires look in the, the folklore, they're often chubbier and darker and stuff hmm. than, and, and we're, we're like used to. peasants, right? Like most right. most vampires weren't aristocrats uh, because they were. Yeah, just that's folks such that a died. distinction from yeah. what we think of now. We think yeah. of like skinny, very pale men. Yeah, <laughs> who are wearing like fancy aristocratic eighteen hundreds Victorian. Yeah. To be fair, they're probably all still men for the most part. Like, yeah. Not yeah. like once you get into like literature stuff, people are like, we want to see right. some some sexy lady vampires yeah. slurping up people. <laughs> Sorry again. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you are writing a story to scare people or do other things, you know, vampires can be empl- employed for a bunch of different purposes, not just to scare people, as we've seen. For a second, when you said employed, I like my brain went to like a vampire at a job. Like your McDonald's <laughs> cashier just happens to be a vampire. Yeah. They can be employed. Yeah. They're a protected class. You can't fire someone for yeah. being a vampire. Uh, I forget. Did the, the vampires in What We Do in the Shadows have jobs? No. Yeah, well, one right. of them does. The emotional vampire does. Right, uh, right. And his job is like a cubicle guy. So it's perfect to be an right, emotional right. vampire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the other ones don't. <laughs> For everyone listening, watch What We Do in the Shadows. It's Honestly, amazing. The movie it's, and the show. It's yeah, incredible. I haven't seen the show yet. It, I, it's supposed it's to be really so good. good. But... It's so good. <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll, I'll report on that next time. Th- this speaks to sort of what I'm saying, where like vampires can be used for a bunch of different stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, they're not, they don't just exist to scare people. But like originally it was kind of like a cautionary tale sort of deal where like 
if you're a dick, you might become a vampire. Or if yeah. you kill yourself, you might it's become you a vampire. how you make people behave. Yeah. But, you know, when, when you're Bram Stoker writing a story, right. you, you have a design in mind. You have a goal. Folklore doesn't exactly work like that most of the time. Right. So that's that's what Oral traditions get. aren't, yeah. like, yeah. it's just one long, hundreds years long game of telephone. Exactly. That's when we begin to see those those differences between, like, you know, what what is scary, right? And what is, um, or what is aligned with whatever the designs of an author is versus, like, a hundred-year game, uh, long game of telephone. Um, yeah. Whereby uh, things change, things metamorphose, etc. For instance, the, the kind of appearance of the vampire was streamlined a lot when we get to people like Bram Stoker um though he still like does use some of those qualities right especially in in the beginning we'll we'll get there but an interesting thing is that there were like a whole bunch of recorded ways of either warding off or getting rid of vampires right and you know the the big ones they're they're kind yeah, of all your garlic there. your wooden yeah. stake through the yeah. heart yeah and most of those are sort of one version of the of the all of them because it kind of ver- vary from region to region garlic for instance was used because of its strong smell which was thought to ward off vampires but that it doesn't have to be garlic it could be anything that smells strong basically so just put some lavender yeah something that smells good yeah, <laughs> but no, nah, of course, it's never something that smells good. So, like, people yeah. were like, you know, you just gotta, like, rub some f- human feces on a, <laughs> yeah. on a piece of fabric and yeah. wear it, you know? They and should then... use, you know, you know, have you ever been to any mall with a Cinnabon? Anytime oh, God, you go yep. anywhere near the entire wing that the Cinnabon is in, yep. you can smell it. And I'm so convinced that they have a spray. They, like, spray it out all around the mall so that people they smell it. They have to. Like the, there's, there's no way no I bake way. a lot. I yeah. just made two pies like an hour ago and the smell is gone. Like there's no way that with baking, it would be that strong of a smell for the whole day. Yeah. And they're like a billion So they should use whatever that company, Cinnabon so, smell yeah. spray is. Yes. To warm up vampires. <laughs> they should. That's better than garlic. <laughs> or poop. <laughs> <laughs> or um, yeah. Or human feces. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, Similar things. Bad smelling, strong smelling things, I guess. <laughs> stakes to the heart but like also you know there have been times when it was like daggers or scythes or whatever right uh, something through like the heart putting putting a iron farming tool or something like that on top of a corpse was thought to like hold it in place also shoving things into a vampire's mouth like garlic yeah. cloves or th- one that i found was really interesting was uh, poppy seeds because i was kind of basically thought to get them high so that <laughs> wouldn't wake up. And That's funny. If you don't vampires, have garlic, just use heroin. Yeah, exactly. Similar. <laughs> Similar. And like probably a lot of this ha- came down to like what was available in the region that we're talking right. about. I know at least today the place where poppy is produced the most for heroin is um, the Middle East, which yeah. isn't super far from Eastern Europe. And I think Iraq is the place that has the most opium that's being... <laughs> yeah farmed for heroin than yeah. anywhere else in the world yeah and i, I you know I'm, I'm not a middle east scholar or anything like that but there was probably communication between those groups and like i mean again, yeah the they, middle east yeah. is very close to eastern europe it's like yeah. right under it yeah yeah <laughs> and they i'm certain that they had vampire folklore or like you know yeah. 
blood sucking revenant folklore. Right. Yeah. There's a lot. Their, like people yeah. were obsessed with blood. Yeah. You know it. It's a very obvious thing, right? Like. Yeah. You if know. you if you're seeing blood for any reason other than like menstruation, there's probably an issue. You're yeah, hurt and, in some way. Yeah. And like even when it comes to, to menstruation, it's like, oh, this is my body doing something, you know? If, right. If you don't know what yeah. that is. Blood right? is always a sign yeah. of something. Yeah. At um, least a little negative. Yeah. Especially when there was like no medicine at all and yeah. getting like a paper cut could heal you. When you <laughs> are running under the, the humeric system of medicine, right? right. Like that is a <laughs> yeah. fourth of the thing. You're really that sick. Happens. Let's just take yeah. all of your blood out. Yeah. That's definitely what's going to heal yeah. you. Oh. <sighs> terrible yeah god <laughs> thank god for modern medicine honestly wish wish doctors were less bad most of the time but yeah <laughs> we could do a whole episode on doctors yeah, too yeah they scare me but then you know there, there are things like burning the body throwing the ashes into the into a, a body of water or like which sometimes is a body of water sometimes is like burying it in a remote place depending on if there was water around right with feces yeah with <laughs> feces. stick more feces on yeah. it that's so, always like, the way to do that's that's actually like you're getting to something that was real though which is that yeah. uh they would oftentimes try something and if then it, it seemed to not work try something else some scholars actually believe that uh cremation came around as a result of because of that vampires because think really? about think about how hard it is to cremate a body oh for sure yeah especially if you don't have like a thing to do it that is specially built to do it in right it takes a ton of energy that like yeah you don't have access to you know smells terrible smells terrible no one wants oh. to do it you know uh so like there there's some evidence floating around basically that that like vampiric myth led to I mean, people being that's yeah. a positive that came out of yeah, it, I guess. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, instead of wasting all this space with cemeteries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Though uh, it also wastes a lot of energy, so I don't know if yeah, it's I mean, yeah, better, true. but, you know. In our modern days where we're wasting way more energy just to, like, exist, Yeah. it's less yeah. of an issue. <laughs> yeah. It just, like, turned my body into goo. Yeah. Also, apparently, um, most cremations... How do I phrase this so it makes sense? Most of the time when you get cremains, yeah. it's only like a little bit yeah, your loved yeah. one because it's just one big giant pile of There's, cremains from yeah. that day and they just scoop whatever yeah. into your earth. There's so much excess, right? Because yeah. like bodies have a lot of stuff in them. and uh, <laughs> So you're going to get some other people yeah. mixed in with grandpa. Yep. <laughs> It's all the same. We're all, all the same bits. If the world is a wonderful just place, your racist grandpa will get mixed in with like a black Muslim lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one can only dream. After a body was, was cremated, they wanted to get rid of the ashes and the bones so that, you know, of course, another thing that they were afraid of, witches, wouldn't take those ashes and bones and use them for spells, which is kind yeah, of, kind of, you know, you know. As, as witches do. As witches do. I mean, honestly, if I had access to vampire bones, I'd do get up to some bullshit with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Make them in a pie or something. Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, make some cool bone charms or something like that. Ooh, you could get like those like rock crystals, dip it in there. You know how people do the like with skulls? Yeah. Like, make like the, with vampire bones. Hell That'd yeah. That'd be really cool. <laughs> 
Except, Coming soon, things yeah. that go bump merch store <laughs> with vampire books. Except that, you know, chances are it wasn't a vampire. It was just some yeah, Eastern European, European I know. peasant. <laughs> we, we talked off mic and you mentioned like, I forget which vampire it was, but you know, someone getting beheaded, stabbed through the heart, set on fire, and then ashes thrown into a river. It's fascinating because like all of those different means of killing a vampire sort of originated in different places. Yeah. And, like, different so they just combine them all. So they just so smush they're them all like, together. Make sure like, they're dead. <laughs> this is Kill them like ten times over. Yeah. Yeah. Just just to make sure. Yeah. Just yeah. Super dead. Extra dead. Yeah. We start seeing vampires pop up in like fiction in I think around the fourteen hundreds, maybe a bit later. You know, Marquis de Sade also wrote some some things with with vampiric. He wrote some things with everything, man. He what wrote didn't some things with on? everything that yeah. He touched well, on every topic. <laughs> yeah, but so like, and I mean every. Course. He he originated the rule thirty four. That was him. yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See that thing? I'm gonna. Fuck what a guy. It. Yeah, I'm gonna um, fuck it. I'm gonna draw it. me fucking it. I'm gonna yeah. write a book about me fucking it. In my blood. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, he was like, a he, lot. Yeah, was a lot. Wrote. <laughs> Uh, like Juliet, I think has some some vampiric stuff in it. The first vam- vampire based work in English, or one of them, was the Vampire, spelled with a Y, by uh, John Polidori, which was basically about a dude. It was it's short. It's like sixty pages long. Um, you can find it online. It's like take like an hour to read if if you have the time. It's basically about a, a dude who meets this other dude. And then this woman that he likes, and then that woman dies, and the the other dude runs away. And then he he finds out that his sister is getting married with this somebody who he hasn't met. And then he goes to her wedding, and then she's been sucked up, and the other guy is left. Sucked and up. He's like, oh no, <laughs> that that person was a vampire. The ah. <laughs> It's a little too late, buddy. Yeah. She's already dead. Yeah. She's already been sucked up. Yeah. And that's that's another thing that, that's kind of like interesting and blurry is like when the idea that vampires t- turn people into vampires comes up. Right. And like, how that happens. How that happens. Like that existed in the folklore, but like it didn't really exist in the early fiction. Right. Because vampirism was kind of, again, seen sort of like a disease, right? Right. And, like, it it still touches on that. Like, again, vampires can stand in for, like, addiction and, like, you know, sexual yeah. stuff and disease and whatever. Whatever you want. Whatever, whatever. you need it to, It's right? just a conduit for people to, like, be afraid yeah. of things. But in, in the folklore, it, what, it did really have that, that association of, like, if you're around this thing, it will corrupt you in some way. And so when you're... And they went the kind of simple route, which we'll talk about, like, the more kind of complicated ways of of imagining that later probably you know if a vampire bites you you become a vampire again without sometimes it depends yeah Yeah, i'm talking about specifically in the folklore (laughs) yeah okay yeah because like we that does get complicated later on when when in the fictional stuff the notable stuff in in polidori's story is that it was written in sort of the same like sprint that that uh frankenstein was written yeah it was in the same contest yeah i found out yeah and if people don't know that story, um, Mary Shelley and her husband and a bunch of their writer, rich people friends in 1816, like basically dared each other to write stories that scare each other because what else was there to do in 1816? There's no TV or anything. Yeah. Mary Shelley just like 
as a 19-year-old girl, single-handedly created the sci-fi genre. Yes. Um, casually. And then John Polidori casually created the vampire in fiction. Yeah. In one in English. Just hangout yeah. sesh. Yeah. It, which is super rad. The less like, why aren't my friends doing cool shit like that? We're what doing are we cool up shit. to making a podcast? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we're doing cool shit. I do too. So the less cool stuff about that though is that like it that story was extremely based on Polidori's experience with Lord Byron, who was also there in that con- contest. Yeah. Such a and asshole. who was just like a, a <laughs> broad shitbag. Yeah. The original fuckboy. Yeah, like, Truly. hard, hard fuckboy. Like, yeah, I was reading this essay that that basically was, like, talking about how he broke up with this woman because she was too kinky for him. And... <laughs> like, <laughs> imagine being that, like, mediocre. Yeah, right? You're like, this woman is too interesting for me. Yeah. Also, I wonder what kink meant back then. Yeah, honestly, I I picked up a book from the library about some of that, and I will report back. Okay. Because if it was just like she enjoyed sex, so kinky for a woman to be having a good time during sex. Yep. She could orgasm. probably what it was. (laughs) Yeah. And Byron basically stole credit for that story. In addition to just like abusing the hell out of Polidori throughout their their time together. Polidori was serving as Lord Byron's doctor, his personal physician for for a time, and he was just the worst, basically, uh, Byron was. And yeah, so when when this uh, story <clears throat> was written, he was like, actually, I did that. And Polidori killed himself at the age of 25. Oh, which is... I'm 25. Yeah. I'm, That's terrible. Yeah. I'm not, but I was once. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how linear time works? Thank you. What? <laughs> Occasionally. But yeah, like that, that story kind of laid the, frame, the, the groundwork for vampires in English literature. And there were a lot after that. Sure are. Yeah. So when most people think about vampires in a kind of more modern sense, the first instinct most people have is Dracula, which is fair. It, Dracula kind of became the standard for vampires and media for the last, like, 150 years, meth. But, like, basically as soon as Dracula came out, that was the vampire thing, and this is what we were doing with vampires. Yeah, it's like for at least that time, va- yeah. <clears throat> authors were either like, trying to emulate that or support right. that in some way, right? And then when movies came around, that was like, yeah. So he I mean, wasn't like the first vampire Dracula character. Movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, like he wasn't the first vampire character by a long shot, as you just mentioned, and he wasn't the first to originate most of the tropes, but like we still, for some reason, keep talking about him. And it's a good book. Bram Stoker's Dracula is a good book. I read it in high school, and it's like, there are times that it's very dry. It's a thick book, but it's good. It also has a lot of like aristocrats just patting each other on the back. Yes, (laughs) very much. So... The character of Dracula is said, at least in part, to have been inspired by Vlad the Impaler, which a lot of people do know. Vlad the Impaler was born in 1431, so this is way before Dracula came out. So the name Dracula comes from Vlad the Impaler, because Vlad himself was called Dracula, which is a nickname coming from the Latin Draco, which means dragon, because Vlad's father was in this thing called the Order of the Dragon. It was like a weird rich people cult thing, kind of like probably like the Scientology of then, I guess. Rich, a rich people love cult. their cults. They really do. <laughs> the, the original MLM. 
<laughs> oh, um, God. <laughs> but yeah, so Dracula means like little Draco, and his dad was in this Order of the Dragons, so he was called Lil Dragon Buddy, kind of. <laughs> Lil Dragon. So he got his nickname Vlad the Impaler from constantly impaling his enemies on stakes and in the ground and leaving them to die and then leaving like fields of that of people on stakes to warn Ottoman forces if they tried to approach because he was basically just like, if you want to come fight, like this is what I have in store for you. I'm not fucking <laughs> around. It's up to you if you want to come also have all your men impaled. We could do that if you want. It's up to you. One time, Vlad the Impaler dressed up a bunch of his soldiers as Ottomans to sneak into the Sultan's camp to try to assassinate the Sultan, which they failed at, but the actual Ottoman soldiers ended up getting confused, thinking anyone who was dressed as an Ottoman must be a part of this killing force, so they all ended up killing each other. Which, like, even though he failed at killing the Sultan, he kind of accomplished not having any of his men die (laughs) while having the whole other side die. Yeah, he was metal as fuck. So (laughs) that's kind of the framework being laid down for how Dracula came to be called Dracula. But before we get into Dracula, there was another book outside of Vampire that happened before Dracula in 1871 but nobody talks about it because vampires are scary, sure, but nothing is scarier than a lesbian. So there's this book, Carmilla, with this lesbian female vampire character that basically, okay, so the plot basically goes, this main character, Laura, some little rich aristocratic girl, has a dream about a beautiful girl visiting her and puncturing her chest, and then she wakes up. Fast forward a bunch of years, her dad's friend is supposed to be coming to stay with them for a while with a girl her age, but then the girl dies under mysterious circumstances right before they're supposed to arrive. Weirdly, right at this exact same time, another girl, Laura's age, shows up at her house and they recognize each other from that dream that Laura had a few years earlier. So they become friends and Carmel starts getting real gay towards Laura real fast. So basically, Carmilla has this whole little rant that she goes on. And then Laura says, And when she had spoken such a rhapsody, she would press me more closely in her trembling embrace. Her lips and soft kisses gently glow upon my cheek. Real fucking gay. So gay. Uh, so, like, just unbelievably gay. In 1871. That's incredible. Also, Carmilla does really weird shit like sleeping during the day and walking around at night not telling Laura literally anything about herself. Laura will ask her questions and she's like, no, we're not doing this. Also, she can turn into a black cat very casually. So then girls in neighboring towns start dying mysteriously, which is kind of this trope of like, people just start dying in a a close area and then we blame a vampire for it. Um, So Laura, (laughs) at the same time as these neighboring town girls start dying, Laura's family gets a shipment of portraits because rich people. So they're, they're like looking through all these portraits and one of them is this very old ancestor from hundreds of years ago named Mirkala who happens to look exactly like Carmilla and her name happens to be an anagram of Carmilla. Because of course. Just very, first, very low key. Yeah. Is that the first time that you found like that trope existing? Like Yes, first and kind and, of only. Yeah. But yeah. like that's something that we see like in like memes about Keanu Reeves today oh, yeah. and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Like Yeah, it's very, that's honestly, ooh, I didn't even think about the Dorian Gray connection, the like yeah. portrait in the attic. Um 
Somebody make a thing about that. Yeah. Rich people love portraits. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do. Uh, whenever people like old boomers bitch about all the young kids taking selfies nowadays and how vain yeah. like technology has made us, I'm like, people used to sit for 10 hours getting a portrait painted of themselves. You think me taking a two-second yep. selfie is vanity? Please. So, at this point, when she gets the portrait, Laura starts having nightmares of a black cat attacking her and then turning into a beautiful woman. Real gay. And suddenly she wakes up and sees Carmilla standing by her bed covered in blood. You know, you as know. you do um, when you're doing Lesbians. a sleepover with your bestie. <laughs> so Laura's health starts declining from that day and her father takes her to a nearby village to recover. They run into a dude who tells them about this woman who did the same shit to his niece and how his niece died from it and how like this girl just escaped and is running around. So this guy and Laura, while they're talking, run into Carmilla while looking for the grave of the woman who killed his niece. And Carmilla's like, oh, shit, <laughs> this guy knows that I killed his niece. Ah. So she, they attack each other, Carmilla and the guy. And Carmilla, I guess, wins and leaves. And they meet this baron who helps them look for her grave. So when they find her grave, she is breathing, hearts beating, eyes open. Fully alive, or, you know, alive, quote-unquote. And they drive a stake through her heart, cut her head off, burn the remains, toss the ashes in a river. As you mentioned, that was, yeah. <laughs> you know, overkill. But, like, any of those things individually would have been you enough, probably. You gotta try everything. Yeah, do all know? of them, why not? Fast forward 18 years, Dracula comes out. 1897. This is, uh, as far as I could find, the first invention, I guess, the first putting in of fear of crucifixes, fear of running water and changing into a bat. That's yeah. The the bat stuff has connections earlier like depending on on the culture again, vampires have had connections with a bunch of different animals and bats were one of them, but butterflies interestingly enough were another one Ooh, of them. Oh, butterflies are so cute. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's weird that this such so a pretty like, thing. Normally it's like yeah. black cats, black bats, all these like dark yeah. predator yeah. type there was also like a connection between butterflies and uh, souls, so like that's where some okay. scholars think I that, see that sort of came from. Um, yeah, you know they're like light it. and ethereal sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So Dracula. Quick synopsis: There's this guy from England, Jonathan, who goes to Transylvania to settle some sort of land deal. Unclear. I'm not a land dealer in the 1800s, <laughs> but he goes to this castle and meets Count Dracula. It's his castle. So, pretty soon after, he cuts himself shaving, and Dracula just lunges right at the blood. And then three female vampires try to seduce him. So, he figures out that Dracula is a vampire. <laughs> and this is um, <laughs> one of the instances of a vampire needing blood to sustain themselves. May or may not be one of the earlier introductions of that concept. As, like, a mm -hmm. concrete character concept, not just in lore. So, he tries to attack Dracula... Uh, but ends up getting his ass locked in the castle while Dracula fucks off to England with 50 boxes of dirt. He needs these 50 boxes of dirt, because who doesn't travel with 50 boxes of dirt? So apparently Dracula needs to be on the land of his homeland at all times in order to survive. So he brings his land with him when he travels so that he can still live, kind of like a Davy Jones needs to be in the water thing. Yeah. So back in England, John's fiance Mina is hanging out with her friend Lucy. Lucy is a sleepwalker who one day wanders into a cemetery where a shadow is like hovering over her. Then when Mina gets to her and the shadow's gone, she finds two bite marks on her neck and assumes it's a pinprick for some reason. 
Because apparently people were just like pricking each other with pins in the 1800s. In the neck. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, yeah, that's legit. Yeah, a pinprick. So Lucy gets sick and a bat is seen near her bed while she's like on her sick bed. And then a doctor, Dr. Van Helsing, comes to treat her with blood transfusions. So this is the first mention of Dr. Van Helsing, the vampire slayer or whatever. As a concept. Yeah. Um, that comes like, from Jackie. I, we're just going to note here was like just a fucking nerd in that yeah. book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's just a, yeah. a, a doctor. He's just like a doctor He's, dude. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he tries like, to treat her with blood transfusions and that obviously doesn't work because that's not what the issue is. So they cover her in garlic and then she dies anyway. Later, John escapes the castle somehow, comes back to England where a creature has been attacking children and the group thinks it's Lucy who just died because that's... Like you said, this idea of, like, when someone dies and they did bad things or whatever, they become vampires. And it's easy to blame it on the dead girl, realistically. It's always easy to blame things on dead people. They unearth Lucy's body, stake her through the heart, cut off her head, and stuff her mouth with garlic. Again, overkill. Then they go after Dracula and his dirt boxes. Mina starts acting really weird while they are, like, planning how to go after Dracula. So the doctors break into her room and find John unconscious and Mina drinking blood from Dracula's chest. You know. So Dracula yep. pieces out to Transylvania and the whole group follows him, find him buried in a box of his dirt, cut off his head, stake him through the heart. He turns to dust. The end of Dracula. So if you want to read into the, like, boring English class way, it is a possible allegory for the fear of Eastern Europeans invading Western Europe at the time. That was the thing that was happening. If you want to get real, this was written during Victorian England. So it's more likely an allegory for all the conservative norms in Victorian England, being anti-sex, being anti-outsider, whatever. Especially since the female vampires are very sexual and are trying to seduce John, which is not a thing women did back then. Yeah. And are like, you know, explicitly coded as like evil, right? It's yeah, yeah, like yeah. not even a question. We're going to yeah. get into this a bit later, but like, you know, yeah. Dracula is very much a monster in the kind sure of classic is. sense. Another thing that, like, I think is interesting about Dracula is it does, it's maybe the first time in literature, I might be wrong on this, because, like, you know, I, I'm not a literature scholar and yeah. stuff like that, but. <laughs> You're um, not? We're ending this what? podcast. We're, we're not doing this anymore. <laughs> I lied to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fucking liar. But, like, it even does that thing that I was talking about before, where Van Helsing tells Jonathan, what a vampire is, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. it already has an, a consistent mythology around yeah. vampires and what they are, you know? And, yeah, he's like, that. that's, this is a vampire. This is how we're going to defeat it, you know? Like, he, yeah. he has that knowledge. He knew the garlic stuff. Like, yeah, yeah he yeah. already knew all this yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah, so vampires are kind of this temptation feeding on the usually very moral people, and they <laughs> fail because Lucy dies, a bunch of people die. Yeah. They give in to temptation and then they die. So, a lot of rich people pat each other on the back. <laughs> yeah. So fast forward a couple decades, movies, the, the newfangled moving picture technology started being a thing. Nosferatu was one of the first movies that like became known in the movie era. And Nosferatu was very clearly based on Dracula. Like They weren't mm-hmm. trying to hide that. It was the Dracula movie. It just wasn't called Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Nosferatu... If you don't know what he looks like, look it up. He is this, like, really gross. He looks kind of like a bat. He has a bald head with big pointy ears. He's, like, a skinny, sickly, very pale-looking dude. Um, And this is kind of 
starting the movie legacy of vampires being like thin, pale, sickly looking people. Then in 1931, Bela Lugosi's Dracula role, which is what most people think of when they think of like movie Draculas originally, um, really set the tone for attractive vampires. He's still evil at this point. They haven't gotten into being nice vampires that we fall in love with yet. But this is the first time we saw a vampire be attractive. So fast forward to the 70s. After decades of all these spooky, evil male vampires, the lesbian vampire trope starts and spawns a very (laughs) weird number of movies for such a niche genre. Like a lot. There are a lot of these movies. Look at it. (laughs) Yeah. And like, it's, you know, it's worth noting that part of that is probably like, we want lesbians in our movies, but we have to code them as bad because like the Hays Code and stuff like that. Yeah, what's scarier than a woman having sexuality outside of a man imposing it on her? It fits right into yeah. the horror genre. <laughs> yep. So they were at their peak of the 70s, which is when second wave feminism was was happening. Uh, and right after Stonewall launched the fight for queer rights. So we're in this time when people are talking about women and queerness, not so much queer women, but, but those two things separately and showing empowered women and or queer people still have to stay in the realm of horror because uh, that's only ever going to happen in a nightmare. But <laughs> queer people are shown in these kinds of tropes as predatory, totally uninterested in obtaining consent, another way to stigmatize us. Even in media specifically about queer people, the production still tends to be mostly straight cis people from the director to the actors to the sound people, the boom guy, whatever. So it's not going to be a phenomenal representation of queer people or queer women. But in the 70s, they weren't really having the conversation of representation being important, let alone the representation being good. So we will let them have it. A different time, a different place. And then if you fast forward to now... There's an entire children's cartoon where a lesbian vampire gets married to a bubblegum princess. So we've made it. The fight is over. We won. We did it. The gay agenda. We accomplished it. <laughs> then Interview with a Vampire happened. So the movie came out in 1994 and totally changed the game with how we perceive vampires in the mainstream, not just in like niche horror movies. So uh, there's kind of a hiatus after all of the, le- the 70s lesbian movies because of AIDS. There's a real dip in the vampire content because suddenly hearing about people transporting blood in the era of a bloodborne pathogen that's killing everybody isn't super sexy. But then came Anne Rice and her fancy gay vampires. Uh, and she changed the, the game. The book came out in, in s- the 70s. In 76, right? yeah. Right, um, right, But most people weren't really, like, the general populace wasn't aware yeah, of it until yeah. the movie. Because, like, vampire books were also kind of niche. And, like, the movie does something that obviously books can't. It shows them in incredibly amazing houses, clothing, eating all this, like, lush food, you know. It's much easier to, to picture that kind of extravagance when you're seeing it <laughs> than yeah. in your head. Yeah. Suddenly, our view of vampires becomes different. They become femme as hell, really fucking gay, beautiful, young, attractive, generally. A huge move away from this, like, standard old gross decaying guy. Yeah. They also, like, it's centered on the vampires, so it gave yeah, the yeah. Vampi- vampires a measure of interiority that they didn't have yeah. before. It made them, like, into actual characters as opposed yeah. to, like, forces of destruction. So... This is also kind of more overt queerness and less queer coded. I'm sure there's straight people disagreeing with that, but like straight people going to straight. But yep. <laughs> this is a story about two men raising a child with no motherly figure around, being lifelong companions, bickering like a married couple. This is a gay couple. 
And also just the, like, having very effeminate men in the 90s read as gay to everybody. Because everyone knows that gay people can only be femme men and butch women. Honestly, like, that's not gone now. No, it's not. It's really <laughs> Everyone not. still thinks that that's the <laughs> yeah. case. People still Get regularly are like, how are you gay? You're so femme. And I'm like... I didn't realize I had to trade in my long hair and makeup when I became mm. when I made the choice to be gay. But okay. <laughs> so there's the storyline in the the movie book uh, of Louis suffering due to his morality around not wanting to kill innocent humans and Claudia wanting to escape Lestat for the same reason, showing this idea that vampires can be rational and have humanity, which is a very new concept for vampires. Throughout the whole story, Louis and Claudia grapple with being moral and just, and especially in the face of other vampires doing horrific things. There's this character they meet, Armand, who has this theater where basically he puts on shows where vampires, vampire actors bring in real humans and basically like murder and drink their blood on stage. And then the audience thinks that it's all just like a very high budget production value. So they're like, this is amazing. And they don't realize that they're watching human, their fellow humans die. And the vampires are like, yes, I love this shit. This is my jam. <laughs> but yeah, Claudia and Louis are like, I don't want to do this. This is horrible. We should not, we have to be ethical. But ultimately the people who try to be ethical end up having the same shitty fates as the monsters. So might as well be an asshole, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> There's also, so getting into like Lestat, being the evil one, um, he has a line that I found particularly interesting where he says, God kills indiscriminately and so shall we. So there's this nod to vampires always being anti-Christian in most vampire media, the like fear of crucifixes and stuff. But this is Lestat saying, no, we're actually exactly like Christians. We're killing as indiscriminately as the Christian God, which I'm sure made all the Christian people really just shake in their boots. Also, there's this like plot of Louis being a slave owner because Louisiana in the 1800s, and he and Lestat burn down the, the entire plantation. They burn it to the ground and kill all of the slaves there. So that kind of aligns with making queer-coded people be the worst villains imaginable, you know. Yep. So the mainstream image is, you know, this gross, ugly, bad teeth, nasty character. Stayed that way for a really long time, and then the 70s vampire films and Interview with a Vampire happened and it got exciting. Vampires are, are just like us. But this is real controversial. There are some vampire purists out there because well, of course there are. What world do we live in? Of course, yeah. Um, <laughs> who think that vampires should stay terrifying and evil and ugly. But this idea of a vampire who loves you, who chooses not to drink your blood because he loves you, like your Edward Collins, your angels from Buffy, that. Has, that was made possible by Anne Rice creating all these fancy human vampires um, with human qualities. The fact of the matter is vampire content is constant nowadays, and it's hard yeah. to go like two seconds without seeing some vampire movie, show, web series, whatever. YouTube video, especially this time of year. It's vampire stuff everywhere. And a big <laughs> part of that is because they're now complex creatures that have substantial backstories and futures rather than just like coming in suddenly, fucking shit up, and then leaving which is what they were for a very long time. Yes. So even if they're not human, we've given them humanity, which gives them access to the mainstream where they can be in things other than shitty horror movies. Twilight set the record for the biggest midnight opening in the U.S. beating out Harry Potter. Like yeah. that's the level of 
mainstream vampires are now. And without Twilight, we would never have the absolute shit show that is Fifty Shades. <laughs> that franchise, which started out as Twilight fan fiction. So, because I have some like miscellaneous vampire tropes that I try yeah, to find same. the origin of. So there's this idea of why they can't go in the sun. Being creatures of the night is just scarier to people because humans are diurnal creatures and we can't see very well in the nighttime and not being able to see things is scary. Predators tend to be nocturnal animals and prey tends to be diurnal. We just kind of flip that for some reason yeah. as a species. <laughs> I realized recently that like one of my favorite um, like descriptions of, of like horror monsters are like things that are slithering in darkness just out of view. Yeah. Yeah, that's very you. I see it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you are the thing that goes slithering in the darkness. Thank you. That's you. <laughs> As a person. Yeah. But so obviously this this long-standing Christian idea of, or not just Christian, I guess, but yeah. idea of light being a symbol of God and goodness and dark being a symbol of bad and demons and good always kills bad. And vampires are also portrayed as pale people. So pale people can't go in the sun. I don't know. Yeah. The sleeping in coffins thing. Not a ton out there about like how that started other than your idea of like it's them being dead people who died and dead people are put in coffins. So they like, I guess that's their home now and they return there to sleep. Yeah. Part of it also is like, I think protection, like animals eat yeah. bodies you know and, yeah uh, also like coffin, coffins it... tend to be airtight so if dirt can't yeah. get in then neither can the sunlight that they can't go yeah. in so that yeah yeah <laughs> wasn't able to find a ton about them having to be invited into your house yeah i'm not sure about that one honestly it's this trope that exists in like so many vampire things but it's hard to really find much about how that happened if other than just like it's less scary to people if they have to be invited in i don't know <laughs> Then yeah, there's a bunch of like weird stuff around like the rules around how vampires behave, like with right. you know having to count things or having to right, untie right. knots or stuff right. like that. It's probably like in that group of stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had a bigger question of why they are always white, um, because like picture a vampire who's famous, like a mainstream vampire who's not white. You yeah. can't, especially not for the first few hundreds of years that vampires were stories. Yeah. Now there's some stuff, but like it took a really long time to get there. Yeah. And still your yeah. Draculas, your, you know, your main yeah. character vampires are still always going to be white. So obviously this is at least partially because white people control all popular media and place ourselves as the default setting for any character. Yeah. You know, like it's part cultural imperialism for <laughs> right. sure. But then like also part like that's because if we're talking about like if we were drawing a line from like Dracula to like Eastern Europe. For instance, right. there's not a lot of black people there, you know? Sure aren't, especially um, in the 1800s, yeah. Definitely, yeah. But also, potentially, this is just an idea that I had, but vampires have this whole, like, seduction, I'm going to earn your trust by seducing you thing. And historically, white people aren't going to trust non-white people. Yes, definitely. So, like, if a black guy enters in and seduces a white woman... He's going to get his ass killed immediately. You can't have a long story about a black vampire in a white world like America <laughs> yeah, or England, you know? Yeah, it's hard to find. So, like, it seems like a lot of our, like what you said, a lot of the vampire lore that lines up with our idea of vampires comes from Eastern Europe or, like, Europe in general. Yeah. Yes. And that might be partially because white people destroyed all the records of other cultures having anything like that. Cause 
white people. But, like, lots of cultures have blood-related scary creatures, like your chupacabras yeah. and stuff. But I did find that Eastern Europe and China both had the concept of being obsessed with counting. Like, if you, the idea is if you leave out rice or seeds or whatever, the, the vampires or the creatures will be so distracted all night having to count things that you'll be safe. Again, this idea of, like, making creatures a metaphor or an allegory for diseases. Spend two seconds thinking about what being obsessed with counting things seems like to you. Mm -hmm. You're going to get the answer of OCD. <laughs> like, yeah. It makes sense that people are demonizing mentally ill people, as they always are, in both Eastern Europe and China, which are not really near each other. So, And then Count Von Count from Sesame Street is a vampire who's obsessed with he's, yeah. he's I don't know if he's canonically a vampire but his name is Count Von Count I mean he looks the part he has like a Transylvania least. accent <laughs> but he he's looks like fangs. Dracula <laughs> and he counts things yeah um, yeah seems like he's a vampire yeah also I I'm not sure if like this falls under the same the same like blanket but you know like the the untying knots thing also is is interesting and I'm not sure where that comes from necessarily um, like one way to slow down a vampire in, in the folklore is to like throw a fishing net over them and then they'll have to untie all the knots on the, huh. the net in order to escape and then you can get away. I mean, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you, I guess, whatever works. Yeah. Again, do, whatever do distracts the vampire for long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's funny though that like we have these like powerful creatures that can kill you and turn you into the undead, yeah. but the way to stop it, the way to foil their plan is just like distract them. Yeah. Um I also like I the vampires like power creep almost. Like the yeah. the the curve of how powerful they are has like fluctuated wildly over time. Oh, for time. sure, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, like, you're Edward Collins and et cetera, they're depicted as, like, extremely powerful. But then, like, you know, people in, like, the, the like, wave of cosmic horror that was happening in the 20s had things that they called vampires right. that were just, like, roiling chaos in space. Yeah. You know, which I obviously am way into. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, vampires now have this, like, the Twilight vampires each have, like, basically a superpower like edward can read minds i don't remember what any other ones are but like they are like super strong can like run really fast i don't know all these things yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and like basically are also superheroes in addition to being villains yeah but not super villains they're good yeah. but also bad yeah well yeah some of them are good some of them are bad and that's just like, like everybody yeah yeah, that's vampires that's like just like part us. of part of the the Anne Rice wave of of yeah. hot vampires who will love you because they're actually yeah. people. Also, just the like the the love of a bad boy or a bad human, yeah. yes. whatever your yeah. your preferences. Yeah. <laughs> people just historically yeah. have always really liked dark, scary things. It's dangerous. Yeah, or or like the things that you are not supposed to like, right? right. Like that's dangerous, you know, exciting. Yeah. Like, adrenaline um, rushes when you're in danger. It makes you yeah. feel excited. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's something to be said there about, like, the differences between, like, sort of constructed danger versus, like, actual danger, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> um, like, fear versus anxiety. There's a big difference yeah. between those two things. Yeah. Anyways, you want, do we want to go to our spooky thing of the week? Yeah. So, at the end of every episode, we're going to say a spoopy thing that happened to us recently. Um, yeah. Or that we did or that we watched. Or yeah. Whatever. A spoopy yeah. thing yeah. in our yeah. lives. Somehow. Yeah. Would you Is like your... to start? 
I just got a free month of Shudder, which is like Netflix, but for just like horror movies. It's very good, and it's not terribly expensive. So, um, well, I just got a free month, yeah. so I'm yeah. gonna see for free <laughs> if I like it, and then maybe pay. But yeah, I'm. It's we're gearing up towards Halloween, towards Gay Christmas. I'm just making all my costumes and stuff. Hell yeah! What's what's your spoopy thing? The other day it was a new moon, so I took a spooky nighttime walk through the haunted woods near me and uh burnt a sigil sort of like as an offering for all the ghosts that live there kind of like wishing them happy new beginnings and stuff like that and it's it's rosh hashanah ish now it's between rosh hashanah and yom kippur right now yeah so that's like happy new year ghosts so cute yeah that probably wasn't your intention but (laughs) but i assigned it that intention yeah (laughs) now you are jewish all those ghosts are jewish i am honoring you all as a member of my clan so that is the vampire episode. Thank you for listening to Things That Go Bump. You can find us on Twitter at TTGB underscore podcast, on Instagram at Things That Go Bump Podcast. Our email is Things That Go Bump Podcast at gmail.com. I think those are all the things right now. I think that those are all the things right now, yeah. too. Unfortunately, all of these sites have like different requirements for Character length and restrictions, stuff, yeah. which makes things complicated. So we have. The, the Instagram and the Gmail are both the same. Yeah. And then the Twitter, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, stay spooky, everyone. Take care. <laughs>